0: Welcome, everyone, to the Design 101 podcast. My name is Amanda Gates, and I own Gates Interior Design in Nashville, Tennessee. My company specializes in living a stylish and holistic life. My goal with this podcast is to celebrate all the blessings that we receive from a well-designed life. I hope to introduce you to inspirational people, teach you new ways to live better, and empower you to design your best life through intention. There are many ways to achieve balance and harmony in our lives, but it all starts at home. Join me each month to be inspired, transformed, and motivated to live your best life. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Design 101. I'm your host, Amanda, and today's guest is Mary Beth Storjohan. Mary Beth is a financial planner who just launched a new book, Work Your Wealth, 9 Steps to Making Smarter Choices with Your Money. Now I know what you're thinking, what the hell does financial education have to do with interior design and living your best life? Well, in my book, everything. I've been a business owner for over 11 years, and when I went through my divorce, I was broke and $20,000 in debt, and that didn't even include the attorney fees and not pulling a salary through my business, well, instead I was putting all the money back into the business because I thought that was the smart thing to do. At nearly 40 years old, I've only just gotten myself out of debt and started a retirement plan. And I'm shocked that many people are in the same exact boat. Some are even nearly 50 and still very much in debt without a savings account or a retirement plan. As Mary Beth says in her new book, What kind of life do you want to live? And what is your why? Too often people are living paycheck to paycheck, barely scraping by, and all it takes is that one unexpected expense to throw everything out of whack. Crazy to think that so many Americans are living this way, myself included when I was married. My husband and I at the time were making so much money and yet we still didn't have a savings account and we never started a retirement account. Today's podcast is truly to teach you how to live your best life so that you can enjoy the finer things in life, live with peace and purpose, and stop making decisions based on money, and instead, choose what you really want and desire because you have the funds and security to do it. Let's get started. All right, Mary Beth, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you?
1: I'm great. How are you? I'm
0: doing great. I'm super excited about this. Um, When I did the intro a couple minutes ago, I was saying how um, a lot of the the podcast itself is about interior design and um, just the practice of uh, feng shui and whatnot. But one of the big things about the podcast is learning to really live your best life. And to me, that includes getting your finances in order because, Um, One, a lot of Americans don't have their finances in order, and two, I feel like financial security is something that a lot of people don't experience. So before we really jump into it, just give us a little bit of background about how you got into financial planning and who you are, and then we'll dive into this great book that you've just written.
1: Sure. So, So my name is Mary Beth Storjahan. I am the CEO and founder of Workable Wealth. And Workable Wealth is a virtual financial planning company. So I work with clients in their 20s through 40s across the country in helping them to basically make smart choices with their money. Um, I launched Workable Wealth in 2013 after um, 10 years in the financial planning industry. So I think I'm going on 12 or 13 years right now. Um, and the reason I'm in the financial planning industry is, you know, it's kind of was like a fluke, kind of, you know, like destiny. Um, I grew up in a family that really, uh, that struggled financially. You know, there was, um, was paycheck to paycheck and there was a lot of uh, loud conversations in my household <laughs> surrounding money, um, especially for Italians, so everything's loud. Um, there was a lot of fights around money as I was growing up and I, um, I witnessed my parents claim bankruptcy twice. Uh, and so when it came time for me to go to college, I had to pay my own way through school. So you know, I've worked since I was 15, 16 years old doing you know, random jobs in high school and then moved to San Diego, which is where I am now uh, for college. And one of my first jobs, my sophomore year of college, I basically landed a job as a receptionist in a financial planning firm. Um, I think I was majoring in like international business at the time. I wanted to move to Italy. Um, That's a good this, goal. Yeah, <laughs> so that was obviously that costed that cost money as well. Um, so I landed this job as a receptionist, and I'm sitting basically front and center in this office. And I'm seeing these clients come in who you know have lots of questions around their money and if they can retire and if they you know what they need to do with their debt. And so I see a lot of like anxious people coming in. And then they would meet with these financial planners and they would leave, you know, with this plan in place and they'd have a lot of clarity and confidence and I saw these relationships building over time and and these people, you know, gaining more confidence over time and I realized in that position that that you can can control your money instead of it controlling you. Uh, so I was kind of hooked, you know, just based off of like the anxiety I had around money and my experience growing up. Um, you know, I think, you know, I, I got this job and I was like, oh my gosh, like there's this whole industry around actually managing money and helping people gain confidence. So uh, I switched my major. San Diego State at the time actually had a financial planning major. So I majored like specifically in money. Um, and the rest is history. I, I launched my career from that sophomore year and I I worked my way up a corporate career ladder and um, basically... Realized I couldn't do what I wanted to do within the industry because the industry is quite old boys' club. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I was told no a lot when it came to wanting to do what I'm doing right now. So, I, I basically jumped ship and started my own practice.
0: Awesome. Well, I, you know, I relate to, we were talking before the podcast, I relate so much. Um, you know, so many people just don't talk about money. And I think that there is a lot of fear and, like you said, arguments and, and issues that surround money because when there's this really state of lack, you're really bound by the choices that you can make because they're financially based rather than choice-based. Um, and I'm surrounded in my industry, I'm around a lot, a lot of creatives, you know, interior designers, mm-hmm. artists, um, You know, hippie types that, um, you know, they're all in it for the art and we don't discuss money, we don't save money, we don't retirement. What's that? So, why is it so difficult for people to really grasp uh, an understanding around money and and talk about it?
1: I think one of the biggest things I see with the anxiety, um, one of the biggest things is when you start to address your financial issues or your money scripts, basically that means you have to change. What is happening right now likely isn't working. And so a lot of people are anxious about even broaching the topic because that's basically going to throw them off course of whatever they're doing right now. And a lot of people don't like change. A lot of people are comfortable with what they're doing. And even if that is is sticking your head in the sand, um, I think that's a big part of it is um, a lot of people don't want to shake things up in their lives. And then that's one side and the other side is you know we all come with money scripts you know the, the and money scripts are those things that we experience in our lives that basically have helped us we have money beliefs you know so for example i had money anxiety financial anxiety i, I had this you know belief that there would never be enough to get things done because i grew up in a household where there was never enough Um, so, and, you know, and some people grow up in households where their, their fathers take care of all the finances and their moms basically ask for an allowance. And so therefore, you know, they're the wife and they think their husband should handle all the finances instead of, you know, them taking control of it as well. So I think, you know, facing those things, it's really uncomfortable. I think the, the uncomfortable fact of it is, you know, once you start to pay more attention and peel back the layers, you realize that some things aren't going the way they should and that you're going to have to make those changes. And a lot of people, um, get paralyzed get paralyzed by like, oh my gosh, there's so much I have to do and so much is going to have to change. I can't do it. It's not going to be able to to happen. So um, that's where I think a lot of the anxiety comes from instead of, you know, being able to break it down into those small steps and conquer one thing at a time. A lot of people, just like starting a business, right? We see the business and like how, remember starting your business? You're like, oh my gosh, this is so much. But you get into it, you know, you get into it one step at a time and it gets done. And so I think a lot of people, same thing, they're just paralyzed by how much has to happen.
0: Well, what I see in my industry so much is that, you know, I'm from California, and now I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, but I, when I was in California, money defined you. It's really who you are, and it's a status symbol, and, you know, I even saw it today. uh, I was watching the news, and uh, Trump was making fun of, um, I think, Ted Cruz about, you know, oh, well, I've seen his tax returns. What a fool. Like, you (laughs) know, like... (laughs) my stuff is bigger than your stuff because I've made more money. Like, you know, that's how, that's how I felt like California was versus in Nashville, the art scene here, especially, it's just like, um, they really do stick their head in the sand, and they don't want to be defined by that, and um, that's one thing, I've been doing some research on the Bohemians, and which started in Europe uh, in the 1800s, and that's what it was, it was just like they completely bucked the system, and wanted to be artists, and follow their passion, and screw money, you know, and... That doesn't really work. Um, (laughs) Yeah. There's a
1: happy happy medium somewhere. It it
0: sounds really cool and it sounds really awesome. Like, yeah, I'm just going to buck the system. But the thing is, is that, um, and I I talked about this in the intro, but, you know, one of the things that really got my head straight is that um, my ex-husband was in finance. And so I did put a lot of faith and trust in him and taking care of things. And then when we were going through our divorce, holy hell, like, it was such a mess. We had so much debt and we didn't have savings and we didn't have a retirement count. And um, I'm trying to think of, I think I was 34, 33 when I, we started our divorce and it's like I had nothing to show for the last 15 years worth of work. And you know, I'm $20,000 in debt. I've got to pay for a divorce. And it was like, that was kind of like an eye-opening experience for me. And so as, as I was reading your book, Um, I was thinking, my goodness, if I had just known about this in my 20s, I could have prepared and I could have been a little bit more aware. And I felt when I started learning about all this, I really felt like, oh my God, I'm so behind. But then I talked to other people who are in my industry who are getting close to 50, 55, and they're in the same boat as me. And I've got 15 years on them. And I'm thinking, oh my God, Mm-hmm. I would be so stressed out if I was 55 years old and didn't have a retirement account. Yep. So how do you work with people like that and, and help them? I mean, talk about anxiety. How oh. do you really work with people to, one, they hate the B word, right? Budget, oh, I budget, hate the, budget. I hate the B word,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, credit, you know, like that's probably been my, my biggest challenge over the last five years is just getting my credit back in order. Um, especially in my crowd, it's just like credit, you know, that's not a big deal, you know, no big deal. (laughs) My ex-husband, seriously, you know, debt was nothing to him. If he had the money, he wouldn't spend it to pay a bill. He'd spend it on himself and credit was nothing. Like he just, he didn't give a shit. Yep. Um, so how do you work with people? How do you get their heads on straight and, and help define like, okay, I realize you don't like a budget, but this is what we need to do to get you in order so that, you know, when that crisis hits, It's not a tailspin,
1: right? The biggest thing is I call it a cash flow or a spending plan. I try not to say budget, but same thing. It's the same thing. Um, And ultimately, you—the biggest thing is you have to know where your money is going before you can actually use it to like live a life you love. And I and I usually start there. The question I ask, and I write about this in the book and Work Your Wealth. I write, you know, the question I ask on all of my consultation calls, and I ask of all of my clients is, if we were meeting three years from today. What would have had to happen personally, professionally, and financially in order for you to be happy with the progress that you've made? And so I start every conversation there, and it's three years out, so it's you know it's a pretty short term like time frame, you know. um, And a lot of people, a lot of clients, you know, they want to see their businesses grow, they want to make new hires, they want to um, buy homes, move, travel. Travel is a huge thing for everybody um, that I mostly work with. So these goals come out whether it's growing their families and these sort of things, and so. When you get people talking about their goals, you know, there's, like, there's excitement there. And then, you know, it's talking about, okay, well, what would have to happen to see this work? And then there's also like, okay, well, what kind of financial what would this cost you to have this happen? You know, lots of people want new cars or those sort of things, and they don't actually think of it like, oh, I'd love to buy a new car next year. And they'll just do it without actually thinking like, well, that's like $10,000 or $15,000, or is there room in your cash flow for those payments? So I start by just actually having them share their goals and share those things that they're hoping to accomplish first and then it's really a question of like, have you thought about this or where do you think this money will come from or where are you planning on it come from, coming from? And a lot of times I I met with like the awkward silence, you know, so a lot of people haven't thought about it or, you know, they're, well, we're going to pull from this account and it's going to go here or, you know, it's a 0% loan and, you know, so it's free money. But realistically, I have to have the conversation of, well, is there room in your cash flow for that? And and they don't know. So it's it's a conversation about like, well, have you thought about this? Like, what are you thinking or what's your plans? And they... You know, and then they start to say it out loud, and they realize, you know, and then you know, well, do you have an emergency fund? Well, no, we don't have that yet, or it's going to come from this account. Um, so it's mo- it's really a conversation as opposed to a you need to be doing these things, um, and it's kind of helping to guide them to those realizations themselves, as, themselves as well, um, because you know they're lying, out, they're laying out these goals, and they're laying out these are the things that we want to accomplish, and then they're realizing that by them you know, dining out or throwing everything on credit cards, that they are the ones who are hindering themselves from actually successfully meeting these goals. So that's where the conversation comes in. Um, Also, I'd say, you know, the biggest thing is, like I said earlier, the finances are so daunting. Um, So I really start by breaking things down. All of my clients, and even in the book too, I basically, the book basically walks through my financial planning process of like, you can build your own financial plan step by step. Um, I break everything down into baby steps and then part, every every client gets an action checklist of like, here's all the things you need to do, but never mind everything. Let's just focus on these two to three things this month. These are the two to three things that you're gonna get done this month, and once those are checked off, we will worried about everything else, but we wanna focus on these things. So, so that's kind of how it starts, just like with the conversation, with focusing on little things, and the cash flow, to be honest, Cash flow does not happen overnight. Like that is if you if you don't your 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 budget like that it takes months basically for people to get into the groove of things when they're so used to overspending already.
0: Yeah, I think that's the probably the the biggest problem and when I was married, we made so much money combined, but we were still living beyond our means, but we didn't know where our money was going. And I I liked that chapter on your book, like, well, where's your money going? I don't know. You know, like (laughs) so many people can't answer that question. And that's exactly what we were doing. It was like, we were, you know, dining out ourselves to debt, basically, like we would eat out or, if you know, my ex was really bad about always wanting new cars. And so, you know, we were just living this lifestyle and it like, I think a lot of people live that way, and they just never really stop to think, well, wait a minute, you know, I'm making all this money now. Do I really need this lifestyle? Wouldn't it be better to pay myself first and and have money when I get older? And Mm -hmm. that's what I loved about the book is it really puts that kind of front and center, like, okay, you're making really good money, and, you know, if you just make a couple of sacrifices and just kind of shift things around, it's not going to be so scary when you are 55, and yep. I, I think that that for me, like I had to make some, and you know, you say in the book, like, don't give up your lattes if that's not what you want. But I kind of had myself like this really scary aha moment, like, holy crap, I'm nearly 40 and I have nothing to show for it. Like, um, and I, I have all kinds of, uh, articles on my blog, but like I went cold turkey, like I got rid of my house. I got rid of my car. I sold up everything I owned down to my silverware. I literally just had a suitcase and a cat. Like I got hardcore to get myself out of debt. And it did take me three and a half years to do it, but I did it. And then once I got out of debt, then I started to build my retirement. But I think a lot of people aren't willing to make those sacrifices. So Every American I know has debt. So how do you work with people who have debt and what are some suggestions that you have to help them get out of debt?
1: So when it comes to working with people who have debt, it's understanding first the types of debt that you have. So is it a mortgage, is it a car loan, student loans, um, or credit cards? And so basically then we prioritize. And the biggest thing with debt is people are like, Oh, I have a couple of credit cards. It's just like five, <laughs> ten thousand dollars. No, no, that's not you know, like that's for me. I'm like, that's five, ten thousand dollars. Um so understanding, like, that is, you know, credit card debt is bad debt. You don't want to have that. You know, I always say, like, you're bar- that, that's not your money. Credit cards are not your money. You are borrowing from somebody. And it's not the, the scary mafia sense, but they, they will find you. And they, they will, like, track you down and ruin your credit, ruin, you know, you know your life, basically, if you're not going to pay them back. So and you some credit is
0: really bad. Like, my ex was really bad about putting gas and oh. food on credit cards and it used to drive me crazy because you know it would always hold a balance and so six months later we're still paying for gas that he had <laughs> which is know, crazy I mean, oh gosh,
1: that happened in california that's crazy because that's yeah. so expensive <laughs> right um so it's understanding okay you know we have these credit cards and the biggest thing is like you know if i asked you what your interest rates are on your credit card, would you know? Or, you know, what the minimum payment due is and how long that's actually going to take you to pay off the credit cards if you pay the minimum payment. Um, a lot of people don't know those answers. And the thing is, like, those are right on your credit card statement. It tells you, if you continue to pay the minimum payment, it's going to take you, like, 10 to 30 years to pay off your credit card balance. And some so, are high.
0: Like, some a, a lot of mine were high. 25%. Yeah. Yep.
1: <laughs> exactly. Like, 22%. Oh, yeah. Exactly. And so it's understanding. And, you know, so the biggest thing is, I always say, we want to prioritize. If you're going to throw anything extra to credit card debt, you want to throw it at the highest interest rate balance first and get that one knocked out. So what I see a lot of people do is like, oh, I'm paying $50 here, you know, $100 extra here, whatnot. But no, you want to throw all of your extra money that you have available to knock out that highest interest rate debt first, because that is very likely the one that is costing you the most. Um, So that's like the most numbers effective way to knock out your debt is just basically by, by rolling your payments. If you have $200 extra each month, Throw it towards that highest interest rate. When that's paid off, then take that two hundred dollars plus whatever the payment was from that credit card and roll it into the next highest interest rate. And so you get like a rolling effect of paying off your debt. That's going to be the, the best thing you can do. That's um, what I did. Yeah. 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 At
0: first you feel like you're making absolutely no headway. (laughs) Oh my God. Like for the first eight months I was like, oh my God, I'm getting nowhere. But when I was able to, my first credit card that I paid off was five grand. And so when I got that one off and I was able to take, like you said, the $200 payment towards that, roll that over to the minimum of the next highest one with the $200, then, I mean, it just start. it started moving very, very quickly. So I, I think that that's a invaluable tip for anybody that's listening today. If you do have credit card debt, which she was just talking about is probably the best approach you can do to get it knocked out.
1: Yes. And don't do, I mean, a lot of people want to do the zero balance transfers and I get that. Um, the thing is like they're banking on you not paying it off in time. Um, which I also see a lot, like happen a lot, like oh, I'm gonna transfer it and get it paid off, and then you know before the interest rate, that doesn't happen typically. You typically don't get it paid off before then because you're scrambling and you don't have your your discipline in place yet. So I would just say, just you know, pay, pay just pay the credit cards off. Don't try and hack the system.
0: And how when you're, um, I've for the most part read mixed reviews about this. I went ahead and I paid off my debt first. And then started an emergency fund, and then started a retirement account. How do you look at that? Like, what are your recommendations as far as debt, retirement, and savings?
1: I usually recommend um, to work towards getting like a thousand dollars in your emergency fund, and you can do it simultaneously with with paying out debt, off, paying off debt. So whether it's like a hundred dollars a month that's going towards your emergency fund, and you can only pay a hundred dollars towards debt, then that's fine. But I usually say get a thousand dollars into your emergency fund. Um, and then reallocate towards debt. And the thing is, it depends on your age. You know, if you are in tons of debt and you're, yeah, you're you're in your 40s, 45, and you have nothing in retirement, then it's kind of going to be a balance. Um, You know, the debt's probably costing you realistically 22%. So, if and if the retirement accounts are probably going to earn six, the numbers make more sense for you to pay off the debt at this point in time. Um, But you just need to understand that you're going to be playing a really big game of catch-up down the road. And
0: what do you recommend for business owners and freelancers who have inconsistent income.
1: In terms of saving or in terms of just like how to manage the cash flow?
0: Kind of everything. That was probably the biggest issue for me because um, as a business owner, I can have a month where I bring in $10,000 and then I can go two months where I don't bring in anything. Right. So it's very inconsistent. And so that was probably my biggest issue when I was married is that, you know, I'd have a really great month and I'd be like, woohoo, I got 10 grand. But then, you know, so I wouldn't kind of plan ahead. Now, I live so much leaner like um, I've cut out so many things that I thought that I needed but really I didn't and so that's been able to help me like especially once I got the credit cards paid off now I have you know that it's basically extra income now which I throw into uh, retirement now but um, that was probably the biggest struggle for me when I was first first getting started because I was so overwhelmed like I didn't know where the hell to start. I was like, oh my God, I have all of this debt. I've got attorney fees. I've got car payments. Like I was just, I I didn't know where to start. So I just literally, I, I just made one goal and I was like, okay, step one, get rid of the car. You know, like I just tried to like make it so bite-sized so that like the overwhelm and the anxiety can go away, but it is, you know. Like one of my girlfriends who was going through the same process, she was working at an insurance agency and she was, you know, she knew she had $3,000 a month coming in every single month. So it was very easy for her to set up a budget and figure out a plan. Whereas me, I was like, well, shit, I don't know. Because, you know, I was looking at my... um tax returns and I was trying to come up with some kind of average and like oh my gosh the years were so different I'm like I can't even make heads or tails of this (laughs) so how do you recommend for somebody who does have inconsistent income to try to come up with a, a plan for their budget so that they know where their money is going and then also still be able to pay off debt and and you know build up a savings and a retirement plan
1: so the biggest thing, so for in- for variable income, you, it's even more important, you know, it's like, it's stressful, but because we choose to live a life, you know, of flexibility and freedom and pursuing our, pursuing our passions, it's even more important to understand, okay, what are the must have necessities of like my business expenses? Like what are my fixed bills every month? Like what do I know I'm going to have to spend? And that goes, you have to know for the business and you also have to know that for your personal, like what do you have to pay on both sides? So, you know, like what kind of income do you need? Um, And then I usually say for entrepreneurs, so instead of actually focusing on building that emergency fund first, what you need to do is build yourself like an income cushion first on the outside. So if you need to pay yourself to meet the bills um you need to ha- basically have a cushion of like 2 to 3 months of those expenses that's set aside that way when you do have the lean months you aren't putting you aren't relying on credit cards but you instead you're relying on that cushion and you can replenish it over time if you need to so i usually say focus on building that income cushion first and then you can focus on your emergency fund and everything else cuz realistically if you have 10,000 and you blow through it in one month and then you have no income like that's all going to go on the credit cards so you need to have a plan in place and what i what i would say is even in those like, fixed income expenses, those fixed expenses, I would include like your, your credit card payments, like if you want to pay extra towards them, saving for yourself. Like, those things should be in there as well, and you can just basically pull it as like fixed expenses. You, those are going to be bills you're paying yourself, but that's going to basically be a bill, a fixed expense for you going forward. So those should just be factored automatically into your monthly income and the things that should be your monthly expenses, I should say. And the things that should be cut, like you, you know, are dining out our travel, our, you know, clothes expenses, our, if you're buying, like, excess art supplies, that's a huge thing, especially for creatives. There's, like, you buy everything <laughs> under the sun, that probably is stored up somewhere, and you might not be using. Um, so, <laughs> understanding those things um, is huge. Those are the things that do have to get caught in the thing is like you those are the expenses that got you into the situation, and if you do want to get out and improve like it's not a forever thing you're not going to be paying off debt and living this lean lifestyle forever, but it is going to have to happen to get you out of debt and then so you can control it going forward that money once you're done paying off debt will come back into your cash flow and it will be freed up for you to you know reasonably spend in areas such as travel and artwork or you know those things. but for right now, you should be cutting back on those areas to and using that money to pay towards you know the trouble that you've gotten yourself into.
0: <laughs> and I should add that, I mean, tremendous peace of mind to be out of debt. Oh my
1: God. Tremendous. Oh yeah. So, so much. worth it. Like, you know, oh yeah. yeah. Having that
0: over your head.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, it just, I mean, that's, hundreds thousands of dollars back in your cash flow sometimes i look at a clients debt load sometimes i'm like that's like 30 percent is just going towards like all of these payments that's you know like that's got to be stressful and, and you have these goals of wanting to travel or buy this you know new home or you know and it can happen it's just these things have to get taken off first and then you can actually use your money towards other things that are more meaningful to you so the thing is like and that's the thing is like we got into these situations typically by things that are just not even really, they don't even really mean anything to us, you know, it's like, you know, yeah, dining out, going to happy hour, like that's on your credit card, like was real, that really worth it for you to like not meet your goal of, you know, going to Europe for the summer or whatever, because you went to too many happy hours, like that's that's worth it for you to, to you know, make that sacrifice, and, and if it is, then that's fantastic, fine, you still need to like figure it out, but realistically, it's the things that actually aren't even really meaningful to us that we're wasting our money on.
0: Very good point. So explain what, um, when I was first getting started with all this, I I was a little bit confused on, and I I ended up doing separate things. I I created an emergency fund and then a a savings, but when I was first getting started, I remember being confused about what an emergency fund is and what it's for. So can you explain that?
1: Sure. An emergency fund is for something that's an emergency. Um, Your car needing an oil change is not an emergency. Um, Your laptop, like, blowing is typically not an emergency either. Like, having an old laptop, like, these are all, those are things that you should be saving for. Um, You know, any type of car maintenance expenses, like, those new, new tires on the car, not an emergency. You probably should have known it was coming. Uh, an emergency is you get into a car accident and you have to pay your deductible. Um, that's an emergency. Uh, Your water pipe bursts and you have to, like, you know, pay somebody to come fix it. Like, there's a medical emergency Um, that you have to basically cover. And even, like, I usually say if you have pets and you are obsessed with them, like I am, have a pet emergency fund because they can get super expensive. Um, Same thing, pets, those are emergencies. Um, So an emergency fund is set aside specifically for that. It is not your savings account. It's not meant to like cover those things that are like your insurance premiums because you forgot about them. So people should have
0: two separate things. There should be an emergency fund for literally unexpected things and mm-hmm. then there should be a savings account for like the additional things that you had just mentioned.
1: Yeah. And in the book, I think I talk about this too, like my, my, big, not, I usually actually, like, I have multiple savings accounts to be honest. So it's easier for me to set goals and I have my clients do this as well. So I have, we have an emergency fund. Um, and then we have a travel account, we have like a, an insurance premiums account, we have a donations <laughs> account. And so every month, basically, we, we transfer a fixed amount into those accounts because we have a dollar amount goal on them for the year. So we transfer a fixed amount, just like the bill payment, into those accounts. So for example, when we want to take a trip, if the money's not in our travel account, it doesn't get booked. Um, so we're not you know, trying to pull it from cash flow and throwing ourselves off course. So the emergency fund is for just those surprise expenses. Your savings account is exactly for those other things in life that you're reaching towards. I usually recommend different savings accounts for different savings goals, though, because that way you can actually see what you have um, earmarked towards everything. When you have one pot of money called savings, it gets pulled from all the time. Like you need that laptop, your car needs new tires, you need all of these things. But realistically, if you're saving for in different accounts for those things, you can actually you'll have better clarity as to what's there and what's it, what it's for.
0: And can you have as many savings accounts as you want without any penalties?
1: Um, It it depends on the bank, like the bank that you use. A lot of the online banks, like I use um, Synchrony for my clients or Ally Bank. Those ones, you can have as many bank accounts as you need to. Um, Some bank accounts charge you like $10 per account. So then I usually say, change your bank account. Yeah, that's what I ran
0: into. (laughs) Um, I had set up separate accounts where I had... um, an account set up that was money that was tied up for things that were specific to the business, like money that I owed to vendors. And then I had an account that was um, receivable so that I knew that it was kind of free and clear. And then I had one that was specifically just for tax payments. I had a savings, like I had all these accounts and that's exactly what they were doing is they were charging me $10 a month per account. And so I had like, I think seven, so I was getting charged $70 a month for accounts. So I ended up closing all of them. And so now I just have one checking account and one savings account because the bank that I worked with was charging me too much. So Allied, and what what did you say the other one was? Synergy? Ally is
1: A-L-L-Y and then Synchrony, S-Y-N-C-H-R-O-N-Y, Synchrony. Um, those and those are, are and then, online? Those are online. And then same thing, Capital One 360 is also one where you can have multiple accounts. And then most credit unions also will let you. Have awesome. multiple accounts without actual fees attached. So, Great
0: tip. Because I will say that the convenience of having the separate accounts was great because I knew, like, and we even color-coded them because I'm a designer. So, like, I, that was one way to make it work for me so that it, like, connected in my head. So, like, we had vendor account was beige and the free money was green and the tax money was red. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we had all these, like, things. So, I, it was a great way that worked for us. But, you know, when we were starting to get really lean as far as how we were running things and we got rid of everything, that was one of the first things to go so that we could free up 70 bucks a month so that's that's a great tip and I've heard of a lot of military wives who are on strict budgets that will do that where they will set up separate accounts for their household so that it's easier for them to manage and know how much money they have for each thing I think that's a great tip yep so what do you recommend now? Let's just imagine that we've all gotten out of debt, we've got our emergency fund set up, we've got a little bit of savings set up. Um, what do you recommend as far as retirement?
1: In terms of retirement, I would say um, well, there's different options in terms of like being entrepreneurs. We have um, a step IRA, um, we can do a solo 401k or a simple IRA, those are like the three big things for entrepreneurs. Um, ultimately, I'd say. If you haven't open up an account for yourself, like a SEP IRA, if you need to, um, that's going to be like, the easiest thing. And what you can do is usually, um, if you're like a sole proprietor, um, you can contribute twenty five percent of your net to the account each year. So um, I usually say, like for, I say for your for your twenties, aim to contribute ten percent of your um, income. For your thirties, aim to contribute fifteen percent. If you're in your forties or fifties you know, stash it all away. Like just stash <laughs> what you can if you're trying to catch up. Um, definitely aim higher. Um, so I would say same thing though, when you start saving for retirement, it's hard as entrepreneurs. So I all work um, like half of the amount into like a fixed payment basically each month, you know, so, you know, maybe I can contribute $200 a month to a set by array or $300 a month or whatever that is once the debt's all paid off. And then from there, You know, if your income ends up higher for the year, hopefully you've been saving, and you know you have some extra money in the business, then you can basically can make a lump sum contribution, um, depending on like the match you can contribute. So I'd say kind of go conservative, but work an amount that you are saving on a recurring basis into your monthly cash flow, and then from there at the end of each year, know that um, you'll you know want to do a bigger lump sum contribution.
0: Yeah, and what I did is I. Because I'm in interior design and, and uh, I write a lot. I actually took on a side job of writing and write articles. So what I do is I get paid for those articles. And what I do is all of that money just goes straight into retirement yep. so that it's consistent. And I was able to, um, you know, because they always say do a consistent amount, like $500 a month or whatever. And I wasn't, you know, I was like, well, shit, I don't know if I'm going to make 500 be able to pay $500 <laughs> yeah. a month with my business. So, um side job that is basically my retirement job like the money that I'm making for that job now is exactly for retirement and I feel good about that because it's something that comes naturally for me it's easy to do It, it doesn't consume a lot of my time but I feel good that I'm also building a retirement so that when I am 55 I can look back and go you know okay I've got a little bit of money here so I don't have to panic and I can't believe how many people that I talk to that are over forty that don't have savings, are in debt, and have no plan for retirement. That just seems scary to me.
1: Yeah, it is scary, and I and you know they're, I'm sure they're scared too. And um, I think my husband and I were just talking about this. Some people just reach a point when they're like, "It's never gonna." I think in their minds, it's never gonna be fixed. So it's just head in the sand and and just kind of plow forward. But yeah, that, I think that's like that's the most. For me, I would have a ton of anxiety. And I have a ton of anxiety for people I talk to. I'm like, aren't you worried? Um, you know, some people are genuinely not concerned. I will say the clients that I typically work with know that they need to make a change and know they need help and um, are willing to, like willing to start making adjustments some people don't want the help some people some people aren't in the mindset where they want to get their finances under control um and that they just kind of look forward yeah i yeah, guess
0: he yeah. just thinks that forever he's going to make money and it will always be there and it'll like a fairy will just come up with a tray <laughs> and here's the money
1: yeah. yeah there are people like that who just you know they live in their own world and, and that's fine you know i mean the, it, to each their own. Like, they all, they'll all, they figure out how to work, you know, how to do it. You know, my thing is, especially people who are like, oh, I'll just work forever. I love what I do. The thing is, like, our our minds get old, our bodies get old. And, it, you know, if there's no cushion there to take care of you in terms of, like, health expenses, if you have to work early, disability uh, is a huge thing for entrepreneurs. They, a lot of them don't have disability insurance. Um, those things, like, without a cushion in place, that's what gets you in even more trouble. So um, And there's so I,
0: much to be said just about having financial security like um, David the gentleman that I'm with now I mean his parents are in their 60s and they are good like their house is paid off their cars are paid off they have no debt they have plenty of retirement like you can see and they're enjoying life they're traveling they're doing all of these great things and there's no fear or lack of money and I have friends that are still working that are the same age as them and have none of that And, like, they they look 10 years older. I mean, there's something to be said about planning ahead and having that, that security there to know. And I agree, like... Um, I, I think that a lot of people should do what they can to take care of themselves now. You know, I always promote like yoga and eat right and, you know, go to the chiropractor and take care of yourself <laughs> now. Cause if you care for your body, <laughs> you know, right. it might still work when you're 60, but yeah, you just, you never know. And I hear stories all the time. To- I just had a good interior design friend, um, whose husband, um, they're both, uh, they both work for themselves, which is really scary. Um, but he fell ill. And it was totally unexpected his appendix exploded and so they now have um you know this very expensive medical bill and they didn't have insurance oh, yep so you know here they are living paycheck to paycheck and then this unexpected uh, this unexpected expense happened and now they're they're asking people for help they're like we're going to lose our house and they've got five kids and mm-hmm. it's just like this just breaks my heart i'm like ah oh,
1: you guys just need to plan <laughs> And that's and that's the hard part. You know, a lot of people think like, Oh, it won't happen to me And that's that's the thing too for especially for like, you know, the generation like twenties, thirties, forties like, Oh, it won't happen to me, I don't need this and the thing is I've seen it happen. Um, I've seen it happen. I've seen friends, you know, in their 20s widowed. I've seen people in the hospital due to like pregnancy complications for months on end. I've seen, you know, health issues. You know, it's, especially in the younger generation. A lot of us, like, a lot of people think it won't happen to me, but the thing is, it could and it might. Like, it, it, there's not, like, we're not invincible. We're not, we think we're superheroes, but we're not, you know, like, random events happen all of the time. And that's what insurance is there for. So that's the biggest thing is I always say, like, life insurance is huge, health insurance, disability insurance. You know, I don't sell any of that stuff. I just, I'm such a believer in like peace of mind, you know, if you if like your ability to earn an income is huge and if you're out of work and can't pay those bills, what's going to happen to you? What's going to happen to your family? To your lifestyle? Like those are questions people don't want to answer. They don't want to they don't want to ask themselves that cuz it's scary. You don't want to think about the worst case, but if you could think about the worst case and know like, "Huh, nope, we're good on that. Like wouldn't be a problem. We'd be okay." That's awesome. Like then yeah, like how much more mind. confidence do you have?
0: <laughs> yeah great peace of mind. So do you have a recommendation then? You said percentages as far as when you're in your 20s to do 10%, when you're in your 30s, a little bit more like 15. What is the, I know that everybody's a little bit different, everybody's lifestyle is a little bit different, but is there kind of an ultimate goal um, for a retirement account? Like is it, do you want to have like half a million dollars, a million dollars? Like is there a, a kind of a, a, a benchmark, so to speak, of a retirement amount that you should have?
1: There's not really, and that's the thing. I get asked that question a lot, and the, and the thing is, like, there's not really like a set number to have. Um, it really depends on your lifestyle. You know, like you said, like California is, you know, one way. You know, some people are like, oh, I have these lavish lifestyles. They're going to need a lot more in their retirement if they're going to stop working versus somebody who's, you know, content just to stay home, volunteer, and you know, like hang out with the grandkids type thing or whatever. So um, there's not like a a set a set number. The biggest thing is like you want to figure out. And it's a little math involved. But, like, in our in the industry, we kind of say, like, you can conservatively, you can draw 4% on your portfolio each year and have that turn into a paycheck for you. So if you had a million-dollar portfolio and you could take 4%, that's, you know, $40,000 a year that you can take out, plus whatever you get from Social Security. And you have to ask yourself, like, would I be able to meet all my bills on that? The answer is no. You need to have a bigger portfolio. retirement. <laughs>
0: And do you have, um, like my retirement account is through Vanguard, do you have uh, particular places or um, retirement type things that you recommend to people or does it just again depend on lifestyle?
1: Um, Vanguard is amazing. Vanguard's my favorite. I actually recommend to all my clients. Vanguard has, um, Vanguard funds specifically, you know, you have your account at Vanguard, so make sure you're investing in Vanguard funds. They have some of the lowest fees around and that's another like topic, you know, for another day, but a lot of these mutual funds and, and investments can come with internal fees that a lot of the everyday investor doesn't see. Um, Vanguard, however, is very investor friendly. They have low fees, which basically means when the fund earns money, you keep more of the return in your pocket versus the company keeping more of Yeah, taking 5%
0: when you go to pull your money out, which, you know, if you've got a million dollars, 5% is a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. so Vanguard is actually one of my favorite companies that I recommend.
0: And just real quick, I know that we've got to get off the call here, but I just wanted to, um, for those who are new to the idea of retirement accounts, um, you talked a little bit in your book about compound interest, and um, I wanted to discuss that very quickly, just because a lot of people, if they are 40 or 50 and they're thinking, holy crap, if I set aside 500 bucks a month I'm only going to have 20 grand in 20 years Um, no because there's compound interest so explain what that is and how that helps you kind of multiply your money
1: so, compound interest, when you invest your money, not when it's sitting in the bank account, it's not earning very much um, in cash, but um, when you invest your money into a retirement account and invest it in those, like, like vanguard funds, like we were just um, discussing, compound interest is the interest that your interest earns. So, let's say you invest, you know, a $1,000, and then it earns 6%, then it earns, you know... and then the next year that earns 6% so then the the 1060 is then growing 6% so basically that number keeps compounding the interest is you're gaining interest on the interest that you're earning each year so um, that's actually a benefit to you so that's why we always say like start as early as you can because compound interest I always say is your money's best friend we have time on our side and therefore like you have longer for that interest to compound and basically be put to work for you so if you have 20 years like that's still a great amount of time for you to put your money to work for you to start growing um, but that's that's the biggest thing that's why we say to start early and that's how we say to start with just start with anything start with a hundred dollars that you're putting aside for your future um, any little bit that because that money will continue to grow for you over time it's not like you're just sticking a hundred dollars under your mattress that money is getting invested and it's getting put to work for you over time
0: yeah and i will say that um i've i do have a couple of friends that did invest like 50 bucks to 100 bucks a month when they were 20 and a couple of them have already retired and they're only 40, 45. Yep. So there's something to be said about being smart with your money and making it work for you. And I think it's um, important to, you, you mentioned that if you've got 20 years, um, you know, you don't necessarily need 20 years. You, you know, if you if you're limited on time, you just have to set more aside. But you can make that compound interest work for you. And I've set my retirement account up for... Um, 25 years, which I'm sweating bullets. I'm like, oh my god, is this gonna be enough time? <laughs> <laughs> you know, because like I, I look at my friends who started when they were 20, and they're still, you know, investing money into their account, so it's still growing. But one of the best stories that I heard was Benjamin Franklin put a thousand dollars in, um, an account in Philadelphia in like 1880, and it just sat there. And it's for the city of Philadelphia, but they just pulled out, I think it was maybe 10 years ago, it was a million dollars. And there was no money ever added to it. It was just the original $1,000. So, yes, I realize that's 100 years, but still, it was never touched. So it's a great example of how compound interest works. Exactly. And now that the city has, you know a fund of a million dollars that they can pull off of for <laughs> yeah. city stuff. So not bad. It's not bad. So obviously I don't have a hundred years. I've only got, you know, 2025. 25, but um, you know, and again, I, I've made it work for me. So I think that if people are willing to make the sacrifices and work with someone like you. Um, and I think the other thing is too, is, is I remember when I was starting with all this, I was terrified to go to a financial planner because I was not only intimidated, but I was embarrassed because I was like, I got myself into this state of this huge amount of credit card debt. I, you know, was way in over my head. I was spending way too much money, and I was afraid of being judged. So now looking back, I'm like, well, that's the stupidest thing ever. But there might be people who are listening to this and going, yeah, I'm way too embarrassed. I can't believe I got myself into this situation. So what do you say to that?
1: You know, there's... There's no judgment. Like, realistically, like, whatever situation you're in, like, people have seen it all. Like, you are – like, typically, we're our worst critics, right? Like, everything that right. we see is, like, we're hardest <laughs> on ourselves. But people – you wouldn't, like, have a medical issue and not go to the doctor You'd be like, oh, my gosh, I cannot believe I cut myself. Like, you can't do right. that. <laughs> you, just, you would go get it fixed. And so I, I'd say that same thing. Like, you know, um, you are probably – judging yourself way more than anybody else ever will like this whole profession just like doctors like we're it's just there people are there to help you people are there to help you undo whatever like you have gotten yourself into and they're also there just to give you peace and confidence and clarity um it's it's basically a way for you to go and get help it's there's never any judgment and even you know the biggest thing i say is i'm a financial planner and i have a financial planner Um, I have, you know, I hired a financial planner for my husband and I, we hired one because it's always easier to have a third party involved in our situation. It's easier to bounce ideas off somebody else. Like I, when you're in your own situation, you're very biased and it's, it's very hard because there's emotions involved. So I'm a big believer in even like doctors having their own doctors and financial planners having their own financial planners and all of that. So just know that, you know, you're not alone in that, but you are probably being a lot harder on yourself than you need to be.
0: Great point. Great point. All right. Well, if people are interested in learning about you or working with you, how do they find you? How do they get in touch with you?
1: Uh, People can find me at WorkableWealth.com or I'm on Twitter at Mary B. Storj, S-T-O-R-J. And then my book, Work Your Wealth, Nine Steps to Making Smarter Choices with Your Money, is available on Amazon.
0: Awesome. Mary Beth, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today and talk about money. I think more people need to do that. Um, But thank you for taking the time to come on today and discuss all the uncomfortableness. And hopefully some people will learn some things today and make their money work for them
1: of course thanks so much for having me I really appreciate it
0: thanks too often people are living paycheck to paycheck barely scraping by what goals do you have for your future do you want to be debt free buy a house save thirty thousand dollars consider what Mary Beth said what do you hope to achieve personally professionally and financially Without a goal in place, you have no idea where you're going. As Anne Rand says, money is only a tool. It will take you wherever you wish, but it will not replace you as the driver. Tell your money where to go rather than wondering where it went. Get control and I guarantee you, you'll gain better peace of mind. It's all about living that best life. I want to thank you for listening today. If you have questions or comments, email me at info at If you like the podcast, leave a review or subscribe on iTunes. Find out more info about this podcast and find show notes on my website blog at gatesinteriordesign.com. Let's do this. Bye for now.